Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. And this section is entitled, Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey there, and with her a colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Right, good morning everybody, good to be here. Um, of course, we're all looking forward. We are all looking forward. We'll get this working. Yeah, we're all looking forward to a couple of weeks' time, aren't we? We get another bank holiday. It's a coronation on May the, 8, uh, on, uh, May the 6th. On May the 8th, we get the chance to sit down and enjoy ourselves and have tea parties and celebrate the coronation of King Charles III. It's the Monday after the event, but I wonder what we'll all be doing. I don't imagine we'll be doing what some folks did 70 years ago. Who, who was there 70 years ago when the Queen was... And did any of you actually get your first television to watch it? And to say, yeah, quite a few people, 70 years back. Now we'll be able to watch it anywhere. Uh, BBC have uh, 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 released the licence for the day, and we can sit down on our phones and watch the coronation from wherever we are. No chance to get away. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be a great time of celebration. And I'm sure Charles will be, as king go, kings go, a good king. But I have to admit, uh, I'm a little equivocal about monarchy. Baptists certainly are, particularly when the king is called Charles. You have to remember our forebears, in fact the forebears who set up the first Baptist church in Abergavenny in 1852, way back when. It was our sisters and brothers who helped bring Charles back to have his head chopped off. So as I say, we're not too keen on Charlie's. And of course, when Charles II came in, he was a bit unhappy about what we'd done to his dad, so he outlawed us, which is why what was then, when uh, Abergavenny Baptist Church went over to Govilan 
and met in a farm down by the river and eventually became Clanwenarth. And it's why when our oldest church of church, Blind Gwent Baptist Church in Abertillery, uh, have their founding date as 1660 because they had to go underground and lost all contact with us for the next 20 or so years until we were able to be able to go and worship freely once more. Members of the new model army were not well loved by the Charleses. Let's hope it's third time lucky. But today we're looking at a different royal procession. Today we're looking at welcoming a different king. For today is Palm Sunday. That coronation procession as the Messiah goes into his capital. And people are there waving their palms as many will be waving the flags on May the 6th. And people are there singing out, Hosanna, hallelujah, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hope hung in the air. This was a new king for a new time. It seemed the moment had arrived at last. For now the waiting was over. Years of suffering under foreign rule. Years of longing for freedom and justice. Years of wondering why God had not acted and left his people oppressed. But now it was time to rejoice. About 200 years after Judas Maccabeus had defeated the Greeks... And the palms had been waved as he had come in triumph into the city. The people were celebrating once more. The king was here. And justice was coming. But as we've been reminded, it wasn't quite what they expected. And the king wasn't quite who they thought he was. By the end of the week, the crown had turned into a cross. The soldiers of the kingdom had been scattered, and the old regime seemed to be in charge once more. And even as Jesus was riding in, people were saying, Who is he? Who is this? What's this all about? As we celebrate once more this Palm Sunday, as we look forward to rejoicing that God is the one who has come in Jesus, still many are asking the question, who is this? This is our sovereign. Now, one of my favourite places locally is Patricia Church. I don't know how many of you know that up there, way up in the backs of the woods, especially this time of year when the daffodils are out. It is amazing. But it's a good place to visit at any time of the year. Walking up from the Holy Well where you park your cars at the bottom, wondering quite why so many have left their votive offerings. It's an interesting experience of modern spirituality. Walking up to the preaching cross and imagining, is he proclaiming the gospel? Is he who died at the hands of a passing vagrant? And then going inside, it's beautiful inside. An old rude screen that our forebears did not get hold of and did not break down. But also on the walls, various pictures and the Apostles' Creed there in the church for all to read. 
Of course, as Baptists, we're not much into creeds, although I enjoyed uh, having the, the general confession, which, uh, uh, of course, I, 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 when I was at college, I tended to go to Anglican churches, so I, I got used to the general confession. Uh, not quite in its older form, where we are miserable offenders in whom there is no healthiness. Thankfully, it's been a little bit updated in that, from that one. But as Baptists, we're not into creeds very much. We affirm them. Uh, we remember those old historic uh, abbreviations of the faith. But I've never actually used one. Not in a service. They're there in our various ministers' manuals. They're there in our service books that we have. But I've never actually used a creed in one of our services. We're content as part of that long tradition that claimed and cried out for religious freedom. We're content with our declaration of principle which reminds us that our Lord is Jesus Christ and points us to the Scriptures. And, of course, in Scripture we find that statement which we all affirm, that earliest creed of all, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Lord of all there is. Lord of all we are. Jesus is our sovereign. Jesus is our king, the one who is Lord over all. So as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was hailed by the clouds and they were looking for his coronation. No wonder the Romans took him down. Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not. We may proclaim Charles as king, but we remember that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then every knee shall bow to him and him alone. If Jesus is Lord, no other has sovereignty over all. And this is still the most powerful statement we can make as those who follow him, the most powerful and the most political statement we can make. If Jesus is Lord, nothing and no one else can be. No person, no party, no philosophy, no movement, no manifesto, no markets, nothing apart from Jesus can claim our loyalty. Jesus is our sovereign. He is also our saviour. A few years ago, we had a holiday in the Pyrenees. It was wonderful. We thought we were in Wales because it kept on raining. Everywhere we went, it kept on raining, even when we went up to the, uh, the top of the Col Tourmalet, uh, following all the people who were practising for the Tour de France. It's amazing when there's bikes going everywhere and you daren't, daren't drive fast because a bike may stop in front of you and someone may get off and you'll have to put your brakes on. And then there were the sheep. On the way back from the Pyrenees, we, we dropped in at Lourdes. Uh, we were dropping the car that we'd hired, off, hired back to Pau where we got the plane to and then we dropped in at Lourdes at the play, on the way back. It is a very strange place. It shows the best and the worst of religion, side by side. It is what the Celtic Christianity uh, people call a thin place. There is something of God there. You can sense it in the air. But there's also the Immaculate Conception Fish and Chip Shop. 
very, very strange. But one image was left with me, and this, this is the picture I took uh, when I was there in Lourdes. One image is left with me. An image of three symbols of power. A cross, a crown, and a castle. There on top of the entrance uh, to the main church at Lourdes, uh, as you go up on the balcony at the top of the entrance, there you get this view of the cross, the crown, and the castle. There in front of you are the cross and the crown. Symbols of our Lord Jesus Christ. A reminder of his lordship and the reason he is lord. And at the far end of the town, looming over all, this claim of the local authority, of the powers that be, to claim sovereignty as the castle stands proud, watching everybody, checking on everyone. The claim of the state is obvious. It's the claim of the sword. And so the castle stands above everything else, surveying all, domineering all. For Rome, it was the tramp of the legions. Now the sword is usually sheathed, although not always. We are too often reminded nowadays that war is still there, as we think of Ukraine. We are too often reminded that authorities do not always look after their people as we think of places like Myanmar. We are reminded that even good liberal democracies, sometimes power is displayed. France is a bit of a mess at the moment. The sword is usually sheathed, but there are other forms of power that claim domination. We think of the surveillance state in China, where you virtually cannot move without everybody knowing what you're doing. And in the West, the money and the markets claim it all. You cannot buck the markets. But the claim of Jesus is completely different. Certainly, there is a crown. He is sovereign over all, but in the centre of the crown there is the cross. In itself, the symbol of cruelty of the state, Rome's chosen method of execution against those who thought they could stand up against it. A symbol used to strike fear into all their opponents. But Jesus takes it and claims it as a sign of the depths of God's love. It's the sign of the Saviour, whose love knows no limit, who will go to every extent to bring us to life. Of all the Gospels, it's John who makes this combination of cross and crown, this combination of sacrifice and coronation, the clearest. The cross becomes the place of coronation. No cry of dereliction in John's gospel. Rather, as Jesus is raised up, as he said earlier in the gospel, he will draw all people to himself. And his last words from the cross are not a cross, are not a cry of abandonment, but a cry of triumph. It is finished. Imagine the Irish rugby team, as they've won the, trip, uh, the Grand Slam. 
absolutely shattered, worn out, exhausted, at the end of their tether. And yet, it is finished. The Saviour has done it all. The Saviour has brought us life. The Saviour, whose love knows no end, brings us into God's presence. And we, his people, are called to carry the cross into the world, daily continuing his work, daily willing to die for love. We are citizens of his kingdom. My daughter-in-law, this is Sri Lankan. She now lives over here. Uh, as Rob's wife, she has the right of abode. But she's still not a British citizen. She's in the process of applying for citizenship. It's costly and it's time-consuming. But eventually she'll attain the goal. Eventually she will promise allegiance to the king. Eventually she will receive the rights of a citizen of the United Kingdom and go to a, uh, uh, a celebration, go to a uh, ceremony and become a British citizen. We have to remember that whoever we are, whatever country we are citizens of, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the crowd asked, Who is he? We've done the same. We've named him sovereign and saviour. But knowing he is the king, we are reminded we are citizens of his kingdom. And we are called to pay due allegiance to that king. And it can be costly. When we were at college, we read two books of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Cost of Discipleship and Life Together. In The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. One way to explain Christ's call to take up the cross, to take it up daily. For Bonhoeffer, this proved literally true. With many of his family, he conspired against Hitler uh, during the Second World War, and the plan did not work. And shortly before the end of the war, Bonhoeffer was hung in Flossenburg concentration camp. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so it's still true for many of our sisters and brothers in Christ. Open Doors has reckoned that there are about 360 million Christians who are persecuted throughout the world. Roughly speaking, one in seven of us. The severest oppression is in North Korea, but the most deadly place is Nigeria. Because of that battle between the north and south, because of the Islamist uh, forces that are there in Nigeria, last year 5,000 Christians died in Nigeria. Nearly 90% of the total deaths last year. 
when Christ calls a man. But for us, what does it mean to be citizens of the kingdom? To be Christ's citizens and disciples. We're not in those times when Baptists were illegal and we had to meet underground. Thankfully, that call made by uh, the, the founder of the First Baptist Church in, on English soil, uh, Thomas Helwis, has been heard. We have religious freedom. We can worship freely. It is, as Thomas Helwis said, between God and the individual, not between the king and the individual, that one's life should be lived. And so we have the rights of citizenship. We've been adopted as, kingdom, as children of God and we enter into that life extend, that extends into eternity and know the peace we have through the power of the Spirit as we live in that right relationship with God that Jesus brings as our Saviour. But showing due allegiance to the King also has its responsibilities. We worship. We come Sunday by Sunday and feast by feast and once more we declare as we have that God is King, the Lion and the Lamb, the One who reigns. And we carry out those other spiritual practices that we've learned so well. We read the Bible, we study together, we pray alone and, in uh, as, individual and as a, a corporate body. As part of that first commandment that Jesus told us about, you shall love the Lord your God. But there's also that second part. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or as Paul puts it in, the, in his letter to the church at Rome, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's never about rules and regulations, about eating and drinking. Yes, that's part of our worship. I love a faith where a meal is at the center, where we gather together to eat together because we accept and celebrate each other. It's not about just lending a hand. Food banks are important. People need our help. And it's good we run that. You run that food bank here out of ABC. But it's about overall, of which these are parts. It's about seeking justice and sharing peace. Or to quote Bonhoeffer again, we are not simply... Uh, to bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We're to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. We are citizens of the kingdom. We seek to follow our Lord. We take up our cross daily. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem... He was hailed by the crowds. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Charles will be crowned in Westminster Abbey with oil and oil and scepter. But they asked of Jesus, which we probably won't ask of Charles, who is he? We have named him Sovereign and Saviour. 
We seek to follow him. Let us now act as true citizens of his kingdom, as day by day we acknowledge him as our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Praise him with alleluias, for Jesus is Lord. Thank you for watching. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.